Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Doug Tonus here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls. And boy, it has not been a pretty two games, has it? So I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be three games, and my hope is that one of them will have then at least been pretty. But I can't say I'm optimistic about that Golden State Warriors game coming up tonight as I record this Sunday morning. Uh, so I'm just going to discuss kind of some general themes. I'm not going to try to get into too much game-specific things, uh, just because, you know, you, you probably have already seen the games. You've broken them down or whatever. So here's a few things that are, I guess we'll just say, things I expected to happen in preseason have worked out that way so far. You know, things can always change. I never want to get in this, oh, I'm right, this is the way it is, because things can change. You know, but this, this is what I said in the preseason. My general plan was you don't need time to evaluate these guys. The, this thought that Konosovic needed a year to evaluate these guys and see where they were really at under a different head coach, blah, 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 blah. That was just some BS. You didn't need time to evaluate these guys. You had a lot of tape on pretty much all these guys. And you should have known who these guys are, and you should have started forming the roster and your image right away. By waiting a year, you've not done anything to help yourself. And my, my general thought for doing that was, one, offer Zach Levine a max extension. If he takes it, great. If he doesn't take it, immediately trade him for whatever you can get. Just get as much as you can. Uh, trade Larry Market him for as much as you can. If you can get a good deal for Wendell Carter Jr., you can trade him. And if you can get a great deal for Kobe White, if someone's totally in love with him, you could trade him too. Just be open to trading anyone. But Lowry and Zach, I felt you want to trade immediately because their value is more likely to go down than up because there's a large time component to their value that is running out. And as soon as that runs out, their value is going to, you know, Lowry's value is zero at the end of the year because he'll be a restricted free agent. You won't be able to trade him. Zach's value, while he's got two years of this pretty cheap deal as a a high premium score, is going to be worth less at the end of the year. Because you only have one year left. And right now you have to anticipate that it's going to cost a fortune to re-sign Zach. And you probably don't want to be the team that pays that fortune to do it. So trade those guys for sure. Trade other guys if you can. And then take uh, your cap room that you're going to have left. And use that to absorb bad deals and try and get more draft picks. And then start trying to build this thing you know, from somewhere. You know, that's, that would be my thought. If you could trade Sato or Thad and get second rounders or late first rounders or something close, do that too. You move those guys. So... You know, basically trade everything and then reform the roster how you want to form it. And that starts, in this case, with Patrick Williams. You know, he was the guy who's going to be this two-way player, versatile skill set, and he's going to be the first guy that kind of, like, fits your way of playing basketball. So that was, that was kind of like my off-the-cuff plan, is you don't need to evaluate these guys. That's some BS. Now, what I said is, when they didn't make any trades, is that maybe there just was no trade that was useful available, and that they just kept the roster because of that. Now, maybe that's true. You know, if there was no trade useful available and maybe there wasn't, then I'm fine. You stay where you are. You know, you don't want to make a terrible trade just to make a trade. But my thought was, if you didn't trade anyone, really the fact that you just want to evaluate the roster for the year, maybe just to be it. Because it seems unlikely to me that there's like, there's no opportunity to do something that you liked more than you had here. It seems like they really did just punt on this year because they wanted to see the roster. And I think that was just a mistake. That was just just poor, and so we'll see what things we'll see what things happen uh, in regards to that. The other thing I said that I feel is coming true, and I sure wish it wasn't, is that Jim Boylan was unfairly scapegoated for the Bulls' miseries. People hated Boylan; they thought he was a lousy coach. 
They blamed his blitzing defense. He had like a meathead mentality when you heard him talk. He just didn't come off as likable. He you know, threw the team under the bus at times. And, you know, I just think that he was he was unfairly criticized. And not that I think Boylan was great. Not in any way do I think Boylan was great. But I think he was unfairly criticized. And, you know, because of that, people thought, oh, as soon as Boylan's gone, things are going to be, you know, a lot, a lot better. Like he's, he's just going to have to, you know, uh, he, he being honest, going to make things a lot better. And Billy Donovan is a great coach, and, and now things are going to be better. And Boylan was really all the problem. The problem wasn't the players. And I said, you know what, the problem really is the players. I don't think Jim Boylan is great, but, you know, your level of defense is, to me, often a good sign of how well a team is coached because I feel defense is often very much about coaching and effort. And the Bulls were 12th in defensive efficiency last year. So they were the 12th best defense in the NBA last year. And they didn't have good defensive personnel. So if you're 12th defense and you don't have good defensive personnel, you got Kobe White, Zach Levine, and Lowry Markkinen chewing up tons and tons of your minutes. Chris Dunn and Wendell Carter Jr. missed good chunks of the season. Like You don't really have good defensive personnel here, and you're still 12th in defensive efficiency. You're doing something okay out there. You're just doing something okay out there. And people said the Bulls' blitzing scheme was gimmicky, and you know teams have figured out and then score on them and whatever, and you know, maybe use too much energy. Look, whatever you want to say, they still overall were twelfth. You know, maybe they gave up too much in the fourth quarters, but then they didn't give up anything in the first quarter or whatever. Like it all balanced out that they were twelfth, and their offense was awful. And so now we'll see where the Bulls end up in defensive efficiency at the end of the year. But it looks sure as heck pretty ugly right now. It doesn't look better. Uh, so, you know, I just just don't think that, that the Bulls were coached so awfully last year that it was the difference between a good team and a bad team. Like, I don't think Boylan was good. I'm glad he's gone. I think Billy Donovan is better. But the Bulls' defensive scheme doesn't seem to fit the personnel right now. They don't seem good op, you know working in it and they haven't had a lot of time to practice it's a tough tough preseason it's a difficult thing so maybe they'll get better in it but i look at what we're doing now and i'm like man they run a pick and roll the other team's just going to score this drop defense i think is like the worst way to defend uh, the pick and roll unless you have a incredible shot blocking center like the the drop defense what you're going to do you're going to go over the screen you're going to try and deny the three-point shot by going over the screen you're going to have the big man defender who's defending the pick drop back down to defend the basket. And what that does is it opens up a mid-range shot for the ball handler because he can dribble into that mid-range shot. Or it opens up a drive to the basket, which is deterred by the big man standing there if he's a good shot blocker. And you hope that you can defend the three-point shot by the guard going over the screen. He can block it from the side. Or maybe you can even defend a mid-range pull-up with that guy chasing you from behind. And so what teams are doing is they're just attacking it. They're just driving straight into the teeth of the big man defender who drops back, and they're just scoring at will. They're just scoring at will. And so, yeah, if we had Rudy Gobert back there, if we had Joel Embiid back there, you know, if we had someone you know, who's going to just block lots of shots back there, then sure, this, this defense might work out great. But Wendell Carter Jr., at least so far, has not been that guy, and the Bulls are getting annihilated because they don't have someone who's just intimidating enough to actually stop guys from driving to the basket and scoring. So they're just, it's like a layup line half the time playing this defense. And so in that sense, I'm not happy with what we have, and I don't think it's really going to be a whole lot better. 
Uh, another thing Boylan was criticized for, like <laughs> late in the season, was like throwing teams on their players under the bus. Well, get this from Billy Donovan right out the gates. As young players, when you have experienced it, you can get beat down. The bottom line is they get further and further beaten down. They have to be responsible for their own rescue. If someone throws a life raft out there, you have to actually swim to it. And, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they, he's effectively saying the, the coaches have to, the coach can throw them a life draft, but they have to swim to it. They have to do the work. And that's true. That's fine. That's true. But you've thrown the players as a group under the bus now after the second game of the season. I mean, like, people would be up in arms. They would be destroying Jim Boylan for saying that quote, destroying him for saying it. It's like a super, like, you could just imagine Jim Boylan saying that quote. He would be destroyed for it. And so, Bulls fans, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you have a front office that rolled back the same team that was here last year. If Gar Foreman and John Paxson were still here and they did this, you would have pitchforks out. Pitchforks. You'd have torches. The torches and pitchforks guys would be fighting over who could get to them first. And if Jim Boylan were still here, besides the fact that you'd have pitchforks and torches just because he was still here, but if he were still here and you gave him two games and he said this after the second game, you would be ready to tar and feather that man too. And so just because the names have changed for some of these guys, don't sit there and then change your interpretation of their actions. Like people tend to try to fill in the gaps, right? Like we're like, oh, we got a new front office. This is going on. That's going on. Let me try and take this information that I don't know which way it goes, and I'm going to try and fill in the gap with this way that makes me feel more positive or happy about it. It's kind of like when Patrick Williams is out there and early on, and he's, he's got kind of like a passive demeanor. He's, he's like looking around kind of wide-eyed, and people are like, he's so calm. Nothing, nothing gets to him. He just looks like he belongs. Like people are filling in the gaps that he's just kind of like, you know, like a, a little bit passive, and people decided he's studious, and he's trying to figure out what's happening here. And, well, maybe, or maybe he has no idea what's going on. The guy, like, kicks someone in the face after a pump fake trying to defend the pick and roll. No, he does not like operating on some superhuman genius level out there. He's just trying to figure his way out and find his way, and that's fine for where he is. It's fine. But, like, don't fill in the gap and be like, oh, well, okay, this now is just some great thing going on. Uh, Sovis uh, didn't make any moves. He's he's a genius playing the long game, evaluating the roster, like just trying to make the best thing happen. He's he's patient and he's going to pounce. Like, no, he just didn't do anything. He just didn't do anything. You don't you like don't create this narrative. Like maybe these other things will happen, but wait for that good thing to happen first, and then you can now have this opinion. Right now, what we know is he's not done anything. We don't know what offers are on the table. Maybe not doing anything was the absolute right move. I don't know. You don't know. I mean, who knows? What we do know is that he's not done anything, and we know we were really mad at the last organization for not doing anything, the last people in charge. And, you know, what has Billy Donovan done so far? Well, after two games, he's thrown the team under the bus. And the defense looks worse, and, like, no one on this roster looks good. We got absolutely annihilated in two games by teams that I don't expect are going to be that great. Like I maybe the maybe like two five hundred ish teams like just annihilated us by like I mean in the end I think it was like twenty points and like sixteen points or something but like if you watch those games you know that we are really down by 
over 30, and then like in garbage time, we kind of made up for it to, to bring the game closer. So we're just absolutely annihilated. And then he's throwing the players under the bus already. Well, look, I'm not saying these players don't deserve to be thrown under the bus necessarily, but if this is an action that would have pissed you off with Jim Boylan. It should piss you off with Billy Donovan. Like, man, dude, you came in here as a player's coach, and you're throwing them under the bus after two games. So we'll see. Maybe he's got a personality, and he can manage that, and he didn't name any names specifically. He just kind of talked about them in general. So maybe it's not so bad, but we'll see. I, I guess I'm just saying judge these guys just by what they do. Don't, don't judge them because they're new. Don't judge them because of whatever. Just judge them by what they do. And so far, what they've done has not been impressive and has not been good. And I don't think we're any closer to having a good Bulls team by making these moves so far than we were if we hadn't made these moves. I, I, I just don't. So that's, that's just where we're at right now. And, and I hope that they prove me wrong. I hope that at the trade deadline, the Bulls can say we've evaluated stuff. We've moved some guys around. We've better positioned ourselves for the future, and we'll see what happens. I was, it's tough to tank in this day and age, and I even hate trying to bring up the word tank because now the lottery odds are so wild that like you can be the second worst team in the league and end up picking sixth, and it wouldn't even be that crazy. And so you know, I think in that sense, it's like tanking is probably generally a bad idea, but this is a star-studded draft, and if you're going to be really bad anyway, this would have been the year to do it. You're not going to lose any money at the box because no one can go to the games anyway. And that was part of my theory of like just trade a bunch of guys, try to get as many extra picks as you can, and see what you can do in this draft. And then rebuild it around guys that are in your image. You know, you new GM, draft the guys you think are going to be good, that fit, fit the way you want to play. Like Larry Markinen doesn't seem like a Karnasovic player, the way he plays. He doesn't seem like that type of guy. Like he, he just doesn't. He's not like this like versatile passer kind of do everything sort of guy. He's not a two-way guy. Like, so, you know, it's, it's just, uh, just the way it goes. So in, in the way this, this team goes, it's not been a good start. Uh, I'm not, a happy, not happy with the drop defense. It doesn't seem like a good fit for this roster. Maybe they'll get better as guys get more confident with it. As Wendell Carter Jr. does a better job figuring it out, maybe they'll get better. If you want to start looking at the evaluations, the other things you kind of are looking at early in this season are Kobe White at point guard. And you're looking at Patrick Williams just to see how he develops. Laurie Markkinen to see what he does. Maybe Zach Levine to see if he gets a little better. Uh, so, so far in this season, I, I thought like in the preseason, Zach Levine looked a little better on defense. That's not carried over to the regular season so far. Uh, he's been very poor defensively again. And okay, you know, Zach sort of is who he is. Maybe that's just what you get. He's not been super great offensively. There's been lots of times he's been calling for the ball and not getting it. I think he's definitely not getting as many shots as he would like. And I already saw visible frustration from Zach Levine in that second game, you know, because Kobe White wasn't getting him the ball. He wasn't getting his opportunities to score. And, you know, in, in some ways, if Zach's not going to impact the game through offense, boy, you're, you're really not so great having him out there, you know. Uh, Kobe White is point guard. I, I'm not giving up on the po- Kobe White is point guard. Uh, train yet you know I think this is one of those things you got to try to develop him here you got to see if it's something he can do you got to give him time minutes opportunity to do it it's going to take a while this is one of those things where I actually do think if you put time and energy into it it might work out it might not Kobe White just may never be suited for this but it might work out and he needs enough time and reps to do it but it's not going well I mean he he, he hangs on to the ball too long a lot of times he's, he's not moving it quickly he's still probing like a scoring guard looking for his own shot and it's not been great. Like I said, you've seen the visible frustration from Levine at times where he's not getting the ball and wants 
you know, an opportunity to score. So in that sense, I can't say it's been a success so far, but I think the Bulls should continue trying it. Like this season isn't going to, isn't going to end well. You know, like you've, you've already lost two games to kind of average teams and you got the Warriors tonight. And let's say, let's be honest, like at this point, Two games in. No one's going to predict a Bulls win no matter who they're playing. Eventually, they'll win games. They could win tonight. The Warriors have also looked awful so far this year. And then they got two games against the Wizards, which, you know, the Wizards are another terrible team. You'd think they'd at least split those games. So, yeah, they'll they'll probably win a game or two in the next three games. I'd say it wouldn't shock me even after this complete debacle if they went two and three over the next three games. Wouldn't shock me if they went 0-3. Uh, but th- the level of competition is very low, and they're playing teams that are also struggling. So that's that's all I'm saying. After that, though, it's going to be rough for a while. Like after that, you got like nine, ten games in a row where there's like maybe one soft spot. And but it's like otherwise, it's like tough team, tough team, tough team, tough team, tough team. Sacramento, tough team, tough team, tough team. And then you got a couple games against Detroit. Like it, I mean, it's it's so it's going to be rough. It's it's not going to be an easy road if you don't get a couple wins early. And so the Bulls are going to be. You know, <laughs> they're going to have a lot of adversity really fast. And they've already started down that path. So it's, it's, it's going to be uh, tough for them to, to, to get out of this hole and, and be even rem- – like I could just see the whole team folding, packing, and giving up on the year, fire sale at the trade deadline, and you thought the values were low at the draft. And people kept telling me on Twitter, like, oh, values can't get lower. These guys are going to play themselves into better value. And I said, value can always go down or it can go up or it can stay the same. Future value is already priced in as a combination of these possibilities. It's just like the stock market. You know, like stocks can go up, they can go down, they can stay the same. But people project what a company will do based on how they're doing. They'll project if earnings are going to go up, if revenue is going to go up. And if it is, the price of the stock is already high enough to reflect the possibility that happens versus the possibility something bad happens. So in the end, your value in an efficient market is that things can go up or down, and it should be roughly a 50-50. And so your contract value is made up of two parts. There's this time value, and there's this court value. Well, we know the time value with Lowry and Zach is going down, and the court value is already priced in on the the range of possibilities that things get better or worse. And so it's 50-50 whether that changes in any direction. Except you know the time value is going to go down. It's kind of like holding a stock option versus holding a stock. And so in that sense, I said, there's a really good risk that things are going to be worse trying to trade for any of these guys. And that's, that's where we're at. That is where we are at with, with uh, things. And so far, that time value is ticking away, and the court value, it looks like, so far it's going down. Now, still very early. That can change very quickly. We'll see what happens. Hopefully the Bulls just find a way to snap out of this funk, and they are able to get a win uh, in these next few games, there'll be something more exciting to talk about. If I have to just sit and just like rant about like how bad this team is for the whole season, you know, it's it's going to be kind of a lousy lousy season. And I, I won't rant about it because no one expected this team to be good. We expected to see some improvement, but no one expected this team to be good. I don't know if I ever made an official prediction, but I was sitting around 30 wins. Uh, I've been on a few different shows, and I probably threw out different numbers. I was slightly taking the over on the Bulls. I think the over-under was, it was anywhere between 28 and a half and 31 and a half. And I was probably around 30 wins. You know, I, I, and maybe that was just because I like to be optimistic. But 30 wins was not like anything special. You know, it was like 34 wins in a non-72-game non, season. Like, it's nothing special. Like, like I still thought they are going to be bad. I thought they were going to compete for 10th. 
And after the Russell Westbrook got traded to the Wizards, I thought, wow, we might actually be now like 11th. You know, like the teams I thought the Bulls were clearly better than in the NBA, like there might have been like four, like the Thunder, the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Pistons. Like after that uh, Russell Westbrook to the Wizards trade, that might really be it. And so, yeah, I think we're still probably better than those teams, but like, yeah, maybe not. I mean, they also, like you look at those teams, like the Cavs have young guys too. You know, these, these teams are also developing. You know, they're also kind of in the same boat. And so, you know, I didn't expect this team to be good. I thought, yeah, they could be better than Charlotte. They might be better than Orlando. And those things still could be true over the long haul. But this is not a good team. It wasn't destined to be a good team. So all we can really do is watch the players and hope we see development. And so if you want to sit there and say Sadoransky should start at point guard because he had nine assists and most of them in complete garbage time and the Bulls made a run and against the, the, the lousy players of the Pacers, yeah, okay, I could see why you might get better results starting Sadoransky at point guard. Like, I, I actually could see that. I mean, Kobe White needs to learn a bunch of skills. Zach Levine's going to get the ball more. You're going to take more advantage of Zach's strengths. And yeah, that, that'll be good overall. Kobe White can just kind of be himself coming off the bench when he's the main scoring option. You might have better balance between the bench and starting units. I can totally see why that might improve the team. It absolutely might. But what are you going to learn from that? I mean, are you already giving up on Kobe White as a point guard after two games of his second season? Like, you don't, you don't want to see that? Like, you don't want to see if he can play point guard? That's not something that you think is important to find out? Like, yeah, for, like if things all work out great for this team this year, we're like finishing 11th or 10th and like trying to get into the playoff game, playing game. Like that's such an exciting finish that like you would rather do that than finish, uh, you know, like 13th and know for sure whether Kobe White is on track to become a starting point guard in the league or not. Because well, that's really kind of maybe the choices of things like you, you might be choosing here. Like are you trying to optimize for wins or are you trying to optimize – for development and learning. And I think at this point, especially after this start and seeing how far the Bulls are away, you got to optimize for development and learning. That just has to be the plan at this point, I feel. Because, like, wins sure don't look like they're going to be in the bag. And it's, it's highly likely you're going to get really behind the eight ball early with this, this tough schedule. And at that point, my thought is I hope they make a bunch of trades, get rid of any veteran on this roster that has value, and so they don't make it up on the easy end of the schedule later and like start with like the second best lottery odds in the league and then end with the seventh best lottery odds and we still miss the playoffs. No, just this is the one thing that I hope that this front office does better than the Gar Pax front office is like if you're going to be bad, then commit to being bad. And you don't have to commit to being bad, losing on purpose, starting G League roster all the time. But, you know, like, hey, let's, this whole year, let's commit to starting Patrick Williams and Kobe White, regardless of the results. These are two guys that are the youngest guys in this team. They're the guys most likely on this squad right now to still be here two years from now. So let's put everything we can into developing these two guys. And this season is going to be bad. And then I go back to, as soon as you have an opportunity to trade Zach or Lowry to get as much as you can for them, do it. These guys aren't part of the future. And I guess maybe that's something I meant to talk about. Lowry market an extension. Bulls didn't get it done. There seems to be a lot of like hand-wringing over whose fault this is. And they were apparently $4 million a year apart on the, the deal. And all I'll say about this is, like, look, in a negotiation where two sides can't reach an agreement, it's just there's no fault. There's no blame. Like, you know, was Lowry willing to take 15 and the Bulls were only offering 11? That seems pretty unlikely. 
But if it was, you know, whatever. I'm not so upset that the Bulls wouldn't offer more than that, to be honest. Uh, Lowry is a complete one-way player. I'd have given him 15, but I could easily see where I'd do it and regret it later. So if they just, like, evaluated him in preseason and watched him and said, whoa, hold back, I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't be upset with that necessarily, but I don't think that's actually where it was. If it was Lowry wanted 20 and the Bulls offered 16, of course I'd side with the Bulls. I'd side with Lowry in that last case. And, yeah, maybe the likely case is it's probably in the middle. Like, if I was sitting there thinking, like, I'd say it's probably somewhere between the Bulls offering 13 and 14 and Lowry demanding 17 and 18. Like, those two numbers make sense to me. And because if I'm Lowry, I could easily see where I would demand 17 or 18. Like, that seems like a reasonable amount that I would get stuck on. And if I were the Bulls, I could easily see getting stuck on 13 or 14. So, you know, I think, I think those, those, that makes sense to me. I have no inside information. There's no reporting on it. So it's fine. You know, it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. And that's okay because, you know what, after seeing Lowry for three years, like he's, he's a decent player. He's going to be in the rotation for some team for a long time. He can do some things that are really good for you. But he's not a guy you're going to build around. And if you paid him $15 million a year, $16 million a year, even $17 million a year, you're not paying him to be a guy you can build around. So that's also okay. But you don't need to lock guys like that in. You don't need to lock guys like that in early. You just, you just really don't. You know, like sometimes you'd rather just have the cap room and let someone else pay that. And the thing is that I've tried to explain to people and it gets missed is the bulls are under the cap next year. So signing someone at market value has no value to us. You know why? We can sign anyone in the market at market value. You can't always do that. You know, if you're over the cap, signing your guy at market value is a bonus for you because you use bird rights and you couldn't sign someone else. You can't actually take his money and spend it in the marketplace. And then sometimes signing guys is valuable because you can now trade him for a different guy and you can use that to match salaries. So there's value in signing your own guy at a market value contract for most teams because most teams are over the cap most of the time. But the Bulls are going to be under the cap. And if you're under the cap, you have no value for that. So if Lowry's market value is $18 million, and we can sign him for $18 million, we can sign any other guy whose market value is $18 million. And is Lowry the guy that fits our needs and how we want to run this team in the future the best out of all 18 million dollar players and the answer to that it's probably not it's probably not the best way to spend money so the advantage that you really get out of something like this is lost on the chicago bulls because they won't be getting the extra cap room that they can spend by doing this that some other team might get so some other team that already was over the cap and can manipulate themselves to stay over the cap, and then they could pay an extra $15 million in salary by paying Lowry versus paying someone else, that team would get a lot of advantage to signing their own guy to an extension at market value. But we are not that team. We would not get that advantage. We can go to the market. We can replace him with someone at the market. Now, the market looks really bad next year. And so whatever Lowry's market value is, it might be much higher in his free agency than it is now too. And so now the question would be is, is his market lower now than it will be? And that'll just depend on what happens with these games. That'll just depend on what happens to the games, and we'll find out. So I don't think it was a bad move for the Bulls to pass, you know, kind of regardless of the price. I think it was okay. I don't think it was a bad move for Lowry to say, no, I'm going to be worth more. I think both sides may achieve their goals by waiting because the Bulls may not have wanted to lock into Lowry, and I think that would be completely reasonable. And Lowry might have just looked at the free agency landscape and said, hey, I could be like the fifth, sixth best player if I have a good season you know, someone's going to throw tons of bank at me just because all these other guys signed. And, and so I'm going to be one of these players. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, 
At this point, Bulls Nation, I'm telling you, what you should be rooting for is the development of the roster. Don't worry about wins and losses. We were never destined to have a great year anyway. Would have been nice to see if we had a surprise good year, and this team was a team that could have like gotten up to 500. But I've already seen enough to tell you that's not going to happen. I, I thought this was probably a team that was going to be, you know, sort of rising towards that, but you know, not there. And a team that could, you know, win 30 out of 72 games, like 30 and 42. So pretty far away from that. And so, yeah, if they surprised to the upside, that would have been great. But they didn't. They didn't surprise the upside. And after seeing what we've seen so far, they're not going to surprise to the upside. And so if that's the case, root for the development of the players on the roster that you think are going to be here. Right now, to me, the only guys that fall into that boat are Kobe White, Patrick Williams, keep them in the starting lineup, keep pressing them to do things that you want to see them be able to do in the future, keep trying to expand their role, and, and see what we can put on their shoulders to make them better players because those are probably the only guys who are going to be here two years from now. Anyway, that'll do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat. Uh, hopefully we see some more interesting results and more fun results over the next few games. I'll talk to you guys next week.